is the podcast being at episode 75. Does that sound crazy to anybody else or is it just me? I can't believe that it's at episode 75 already. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. Then it kind of seems longer, maybe. I don't know. But that means we only have 25 episodes to go until we get to 100. That sounds crazy. It's also over 45,000 total downloads. Thank you, everybody. It's all because of you listening every week. I mean, thank you all so, so much for all your support, for listening, for sharing, for all my patrons, for my sponsors. It's uh, been pretty amazing, and I'm glad that I get to share all of these episodes with all of you, that you get to um, listen to your friends being on here and uh, people that you follow that you may not have known before now maybe know a little bit better. So thank you all so much for your support. And uh, it's just been an amazing journey so far, one that I would have never, ever expected. It's been been pretty awesome, but all of you make it awesome. So thank you all so much. As you can see by the title, I have Subi Ray Ray on the podcast. His name is Austin, and he is uh, one of my youngest guests that I've ever had on the podcast. Uh, he's 19. I had Reed Endart, who goes by Dart Trek on before. And he was also 19. Of course, by now, he may be 20 because I had him on back in October. Uh, and then also I had Audrey, who goes by Hellhound Foz. She was 20. So, uh, yeah, getting some, uh, some young people on here. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so we've got Austin, Subi Ray Ray coming up here. But, of course, we have to take care of some other stuff. As always, the Subi and You podcast is brought to you by Melee Design Firm. You all know they are your battery and battery mount specialists. If you are doing rally or some overlanding and jostling your engine around a lot by going really fast or going over trails, it's really good to keep your battery secure. So they make these battery mounts and they also are a distributor for anti-gravity batteries. So check them out. Go to MeleeDesignFirm.com. See if they have something that fits your rig or your build. Also, they are distributors for the Anti-Gravity Sport Micro Start. It is the smallest lithium-ion jump starter slash personal power supply units available. It's also the most compact, lightweight Micro Start kit that they offer has USB in and out. I actually ordered one of these because, as you know, a few episodes I said that my um, battery died because I left my ditch lights on or I flipped a switch somehow. But anyway, I was like, I need something that's going to give me peace of mind in case that happens again or just for whatever reason. So I ordered one of these, 99 bucks, and totally worth it. It is small, it is lightweight, so it's very portable, uh, but this thing is very sturdy. It has a flashlight on it, which is very, very bright. It also has a strobe so that if you are out there trying to uh, change a tire or do something on the road, you can turn the strobe on to warn people. Um, and then it comes with a little adapter to connect to your battery so that you can jumpstart it. So anyway, check it out, MeleeDesignFirm.com. Go see what they have to offer for your Subaru. 
there is a great place that you can get a lot of great merch for the brand that you love, these cars that we drive. You can go over to SubaruGear.com. They are another sponsor of the Subi and You podcast. Now that we have made it into Pride Month, you can show your support with an Eco Subaru Pride tee. This t-shirt is a great representation of the love promise. Show your love for the Earth, Pride, and Subaru. You'll absolutely be amazed how this t-shirt is made of recycled materials and how soft it is. Not only is it a symbol of pride, but it also helps make a difference. A portion of the proceeds go to PFLAG, the first and largest organization for LGBTQ plus people, their parents, families, and allies. Make sure that when you check out at SubaruGear.com, you use the code SUBI and you all spelled out to get free shipping for your purchase. Lately, I've had a few people ask me where I've gotten my wheels and tires. My tires, they're the Toyo Open Country AT3s, and I got those at Discount Tire, but I wrapped those around some beautiful Rica VS Tetons. You can go to RikaVS.com forward slash SubiNU to get a set of these beautiful wheels for yourself. And Rika is committed to providing customers with the highest quality specialized wheels and lift kits that will allow you to travel further, experience all those new adventures, and discover extraordinary destinations, which is what we all love to do. Rika wants to make sure that you are ready for anything wherever these adventures take you. Rika's flow form process for their wheels creates both lightweight and durable wheels which are of the highest quality and are built to satisfy the requirements of all of you adventure enthusiasts. Rika lift kits raise your Subaru to protect the vehicle's underbody from damage while off-roading which is extremely important. We want to protect all of that underneath our cars. The lift kits were also designed to increase the vehicle ride height in order to accommodate larger tires while maintaining the factory ride quality and alignment, which is also very important. The quest for adventure begins with you, and Rika is what gets you there. Be sure to use the code SUBIU10 at checkout to get 10% off of your set of awesome wheels or a lift kit. Thank you, Rika VS, for sponsoring the Subi and You podcast. For those of you that made it out to Wicked Big Meat this weekend, I hope you all had a great time. I can't talk about it yet because it hasn't happened yet. I'm recording this late on Saturday night. So for me, it's going to be tomorrow. For those of you listening on Monday, it was yesterday. So I look forward to seeing all of the posts from everybody. I'm sure there's going to be some videos, maybe some YouTube or some YouTube, some Instagram lives saved for all the events that were going on and some of the cool stuff that was happening there. I know I think it's supposed to be the biggest SubiFest event, so maybe next year I will be able to make it out or I'll just plan to do that because I would like to make it to this one. I've been to BoxerFest, planning to go to SubiFest California this year because I really want to make it out to that one, so maybe next year I'll be able to make it to Wicked Big Meat and maybe some more. And who knows where the podcast is going to be by then. 
But for now, we will get into this conversation with Austin, a.k.a. Subi Ray Ray, and hear what he has to say about his build and about this community. So here we go with that conversation. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for um, taking the time to be on the podcast. I know we've been connected for a while and talking about it, but we we finally made it. And uh, so go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what part of the country you live in. All right. So my name is Austin Walker, also known as CB Ray Ray on Instagram. Uh, that might change at some point. We'll see. Um, I live in... Oregon, in a really small town, probably about 45 minutes outside of Portland. Um, so I'm right in the PNW, and then I live right just a little bit east of the coast range. So I tend to go out there a lot and out to Mount Hood and down to Bend. Um, so that's kind of the area, man. Nice. Yeah. I've been to Oregon a couple of times for work, and I've been in the Eugene area. Well, no, I've been out there three times. So I've been in Eugene, Portland, and Corvallis. And it's absolutely beautiful. Of course, I didn't get a chance to like really go exploring any anything but like the city areas. But yeah. I, I would love to go back at some point and go see what's really out there, you know, outside of the yeah. cities. So Other, I would at least recommend like if you're in the Portland area, if you got like a like a day or something going to do Mount Hood because that it's very touristy but it's absolutely beautiful out there there's millions of trails and roads that you can take man that would be nice yeah i uh it'd be <laughs> it would be awesome just to have time to go drive out and meet up with like people out in the community and go hit some trails in different parts of the country that's kind of like one of my my dreams and and a goal is if i can do this podcast full time is just go out there and meet up with people and you know hang out because that'd be that'd be so cool i have i've oh, been able be to go out to like i went to san diego met up with soft road nation when they had their one-year anniversary and their celebration of chris and then i've been out to um i went out to where was i last time oh i was in chicago and there's a group up mm -hmm. there trying to remember the name. Oh, Shy Town Subarus. I met up with some of those people, but they were just having dinner. Mm -hmm. But then I also went up to um, Washington and hung out with Rugged Roo Crew and Falcon Roo One. Charlie was awesome enough to let me borrow his Outback and we got mm -hmm. to hit some trails and stuff. So that was cool. But I, w I would love to be able to do more of that, whether I whether something's close enough for me to drive out to or I have to just go ride along, you know, that'd be that'd be cool too. Yeah. I remember you mentioning before we started the podcast that like you wanted to come out to the Subaru events and you should totally come out to big Northwest. Um, yeah, it's going to be in Seattle. So all the rugged roof crew will be there. I'm going to be there. Um, I know a ton of people from the Portland area that'll be there too. And it should be a lot of fun. I, yeah, I would love to this year. I don't know if I'll be able to, um, but maybe, uh, Maybe next year with a little more planning, I can make it out to all the events or at least some yeah. of them. So, because uh, I've, yeah. I've been to Boxer Fest, I want to go. My goal is to go to Subi Fest California this year if I can. 
Um, but yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to make my way around to different different events. Yeah, it'd be awesome. So, if you don't mind sharing, like, how old are you? So I am nineteen, about to turn twenty in about a month. Okay. Uh, because you're one of the youngest. I had Audrey who goes by Hellhound Foz. She's 20. And then I had Reed Endart. I think he was maybe 19. I can't remember. Sorry, Reed. Um, I'd have to go back and look. But y'all are all about the same age. So yeah, it's cool to get like younger people on. I've had older people on. I've had people in the middle. Um, so it's nice to get like a very cool demographic of ages um, on the podcast. That's honestly awesome to hear i mean i don't see a lot of young super owners that are like kind of as dedicated to the community like i know i pulled up to one meet one of the guys that's not my friend uh he said when he saw my car he thought it was like some 40 year old guy that had owned it for 10 years and like <laughs> oh this is my baby and everything and then he sees me you know some 19 year old he's like oh okay so it's really cool to see that at least i'm not the only young one out there there's yeah others oh yeah um I know I've talked to Forrester Gump. I think you've had him on, right? Uh, not yet, but I or, will. I have met. I met him. I met him out at Boxerfest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I know he was. I think he just graduated college. Might be the wrong username. No, no. That's yeah. I think it's okay. uh, yeah. Um, he's got like a tan Forrester. Mm -hmm. Same generation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. And so you have one of the oldest Foresters that I've had on the show too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. What was it 2003? I think it is one of the oldest. Yeah, because so Trek Steady, he has a 2003 Forester, but ALNSM out in France, he has you both beat with his 1997 Forester. 97? So the, the first year they made him. I guess so. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't yeah. see, I don't know all my generations of the different, like, you know, if I look at an Outback or a Forester, I have no idea what generation I'm looking at. I know there's several generations. I know the cross trek because that's what I have. Yeah. I know there's yeah. Gen 1 and Gen 2, and that's all I know. I mean, it's the same thing for me. I know the Forester ones because for when sourcing parts, like the first and second gen are pretty similar. So sometimes the parts correlate, sometimes they don't. So like, I could just look for part stuff based on the years. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So um, is this your first Subaru? Yes, it's actually my first car. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's um, cool. And what yeah. what influenced you to buy a Subaru and why a Forester? I didn't really have any plans to go buy a Subaru or a Forester. I was just, when I looked for a car, my dad has a Dodge Avenger and then my mom has a Ford Explorer. And I love the way my dad's Dodge Avenger handled, but I did not, I I wanted the hatchback capability of my mom's Ford yeah. Explorer. So I was like, I want a smallish car that has a hatchback. That was my only criteria. And we went out searching. I was mainly looking at Dodge Calibers originally. Yeah. Um, kind of an okay car. And then we were out one Saturday looking at a bunch of dealerships and stuff. And my mom had been looking around too while I was looking. And she's like, oh, there's this lady out in uh, kind of like outskirts of Hillsborough that has a car. So we went and looked at it and it was an old lady. She had owned it for like nine years, only put like 30,000 miles on it while she owned it. And she had recently passed away. So her daughter was selling her estate and they didn't need a car. So uh, I got it with 150,000 miles 
and it's been pretty dependable. It was well, pretty well taken care of for what it was. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, so how many miles have you put on it since you've had it? And how long have you, I mean, when did you buy it? So I got it, I think May, 2019. So I've had it for about three years, which is oh, really nice. surprising. Yeah. I don't even feel like that long, honestly. It feels like it's just a part of my life now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's what happens with them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I put on a hundred or not, not a hundred, sorry, uh, 26,000 miles on it. So not a lot, but a little bit. I guess you're not having to drive too far. No, not really. I don't really drive like cross country or anything. And with gas prices being what they are and me being kind of young, I don't have the money to go (laughs) everywhere I want to. Yeah. So how is it driving and handling and everything with that many miles? I mean, does it, have you, have you had any issues with it since you bought it? So when I first got it, it was like perfectly fine. The only thing was like a squirrel had gotten into the engine bay. What? So they, they had chewed the spark plug wires and it, it, it's still red, but I was like, I'm going to replace the spark. That's spark crazy. Plug wires Cause you know, why not? And, uh, that was really the only thing except for she had a dog. So I had to like clean the hair out of it. Yeah. Um, and it was fine besides that. But since I've gotten it, I've had to replace the rear wheel bearings um, and the rear passenger side strut was leaking. So that's why I did coilovers instead of like an ADF lift was I already had to replace the coilovers anyway. And I'm like, yeah, I might as well do two things at once. Um, I had to do the head gaskets right as I came back. So about 174,000, like as soon as I came back, I looked up at the car and it was starting to leak right underneath the, uh, oh man, right where the head gasket is. So like on, 2000s ejs mm-hmm. they leak externally but on the like 1990s they leak internally so that's why like people pull their 1990s they're more prone for failure um so as soon as i came back i had to replace the head gaskets um when i lifted it both my front axles broke so i had to replace <laughs> those as well oh, yeah man. So it was the weirdest thing i'm like pulling the suspension out right and i've got it on jacks and I'm putting the new coilovers in and I'm trying to push the hub into position to get the two bolts aligned. Right. And it just won't go. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm pushing against it and it feels like something's it's hitting something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I bet you it's the axle. Cause I've heard about the axles breaking. And I sure enough, I pull off the boot just a little bit and I can see the entire joint is falls out of the housing. Oh man. Yeah. And then because on old Subarus, sometimes it happens, especially because it's so old, the axle actually rusted inside the hub. So I had to get a whole new steering knuckle and hub. And then that was just to put it at stock height. And then (laughs) I I lifted it like two days later and I'm lifting it and I get to the passenger side of the front and that was also broken. So I have two auto part store front axles and the two original rear axles in the back. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like having to do all this work on it. Yeah. He definitely requires a lot of maintenance. Like there's like, it has a weird vibration right now that I need to fix and the exhaust shielding needs fixed and a couple other things. And it's like, meh, like there's so much you can do. I don't have enough time to yeah. do all the maintenance. So, and did you do all that work yourself? 
Uh, I didn't do the head gaskets myself because yeah. I didn't want to do that, especially because it's my only car. So I didn't want to have it out so long. So I had to shop do it. Yeah. But uh, I think everything else I did myself. And did you like kind of are, I mean, did you have to like figure all that stuff out on your own? How did you figure out how to do all that? Uh, yeah, I kind of just figured it out. I think like the wheel bearings, I had my friend help me, uh, my parents' friend. Mm-hmm. And they helped me do it. We took it to his friend's like a uh, farm and he had a little shop and we did it out there. But the suspension, I had to learn how to do myself. Um, and most of the other things I've kind of done myself just to do it. And like, no, my dad's not into cars. So I had to just kind of teach myself as I went along. That's cool though, man. Cause I mean, when you can do the work yourself, one, you save a ton of money you know, from labor costs, but then also just learning how to do it yourself is it's rewarding because then that's like, you can look at it and go, I I did that. You know, this is my car. I'm taking care of it, getting a chance to do stuff on my own and figuring it out. And that's just fun anyway. You know, when you can figure things out and do it yourself. Exactly. I think the main reason I do it is because of the cost of sending it to the shop. Like I just, yeah, I can't afford it. Like it's not going to happen. So I have to kind of do it myself. But the other thing too is like, if I mess up, at least I know I messed up. If I send it to a shop, they're just going to do like the general baseline. Yeah. Instead of exactly what I need, especially because my car is so old, it's kind of has its own quirks. So, yeah, you know, it'd be hard to explain all the little things to a mechanic. Yeah. It's kind of like if you get like some kind of a scratch or dent on your car because you went off road, it's like, Ah, uh, you know, I was out having fun as opposed to going out of town for work to San Antonio and you go to park your car and you think you park in a good spot away from people and then you come back out and there's two door dings on your car and mm-hmm. you're not very happy about that because that's what happened to me just recently. Oh, really? Yeah. I had, oh. I have a chip in my paint on the passenger side front door because I was doing some donuts and some gravel and I think it kicked up a rock so i'm okay with that it's like there's this chip in my paint but it's like yeah i did that because i was having fun now i've got two door dings on the driver's side because somebody was not very considerate (laughs) yeah being next to me so yeah that made me very very angry that sucks yeah because the car i had before it had one ding in the driver's side rear door and I don't know where that came from. And it wasn't very noticeable. But then somebody backed into me and hit that door. So then they had to replace the whole door. And I'm like, yay, the ding is gone. So after that, I didn't have any dings in my car. Because I always try to park in like a very strategic spot so that nobody will be close to me. And this time, like when I walked up, I was looking at the car and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And and I looked and I saw and and I knew it was them because there's kind of like a point to their driver's side door and the mm-hmm. point had white paint on it. Oh man. Yeah. So I slashed all their tires and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> took a key and like took a baseball yeah. bat and everything. Yeah, busted yeah. out their headlights and no, I yeah. was just like, oh, that made me so angry. Yeah. When I got mine, uh the paint was already starting to peel on the hood mm-hmm. and it's still peeling. Like even after I've tried to correct it. So at this point I'm just like, 
whatever the paint's like messed up i'm just gonna deal with it maybe at some point in the future i'll paint it but it's yeah. not even worth it now it's so messed up and so pink and sun faded so yeah so where did you come up with the name subi ray ray and is that the name of your car or the name of your account it's the name of my car uh at least the ray ray part the subi was just like i own a subaru um yeah let's put it on there the ray ray part was i was trying to think of a name and a lot of people name their cars like feminine names at least guys and i didn't like that plan because part <laughs> of it was i i was like i'm i'm bisexual but i was still like had internalized homophobia mm-hmm. so i was trying to like bring myself out of it and i'm like well if i name my car a male name and i grow to love my car then i might like kick myself out of it yeah and it did work to some extent so i was looking for male names and i was like hmm ray sounds pretty cool and then i was with my friend and he started calling him ray ray and it just kind of stuck and i just went with it and now he's ray ray yeah i like it because it's catchy and it's different you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's uh and it's memorable so that's cool that's good to hear i'm glad that it's memorable yeah yeah it is um now when you bought your forester did you know about the subaru community or did you have and did you have any plans to mod it or did you even know about i didn't it? know i didn't even know any car enthusiast community because like i said my dad's not into cars i didn't really have any pe- friends that were into cars like i knew absolutely nothing about the car community when i bought my first car i was just like oh car just like another purchase as part of it yeah. And the only reason I really came to get into it was I was starting to look stuff into my car because I knew there were problems with it. And I looked on YouTube and I found Donut Media's up to speed video on the Super Forester. And they just like uh, James Pumphrey's excitement and like enthusiasm for a car, even though he does it with all the cars, mm-hmm. was like so empowering. I'm like, this is really cool. Like, I have a unique car. Like, I want to get into it. And then you know, I started talking about my car and uh, my dad's friends that helped me with the wheel bearings was kind of like, oh, you could lift it. I'm like, oh, OK. And I just started to get into it, started following the people on Instagram as I found them online through like, you know, like Google photos or whatever. Yeah. And just got into it that way. So did you when did you start up an account for your car? Did, I mean, did you have like your own personal account and started following people that way and then started up an account for your Forester? Yeah, exactly. So I had people on my personal account and then I found your guys' podcast, um, the Zuby New Podcast, and nice. was listening and heard about all the Instagram accounts and people making accounts. And I think it was like one episode where they're like, you know, if you're thinking about making an account, you should. I'm like, okay. So I made an account. Maybe yeah. Ray Ray. I saw that uh, on your one of your, your very first post, you said something about yeah. that. And and see, like, it's it's hard for me to try to keep up with so many people and so like when i was coming up with questions and everything i was scrolling through your account and and i went to the very first post but you didn't tag me so i didn't see it and then so now you know as i went back through i was like oh that's super cool i'm like very honored that the podcast you know helped you create an account for your car so that was really cool to yeah. see yeah it definitely did and honestly at the time i didn't know i had an instagram so I, I didn't know to tag you. <laughs> I didn't really know what tagging was, honestly. Yeah, but I didn't either when I first, first started mine. Yeah. 
but you definitely influenced me, uh, at least with the people, the guests on your podcast and the podcast itself to start my own Instagram. Well, good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so how did you, I mean, I guess that's how you started getting connected with other people too. You saw the YouTube video and thought that was like really cool, you know, with his passion for the for the cars and stuff. And then mm-hmm. you started getting connected with people on Instagram. Did you start like finding, because I, I know like when I first started getting my account going and I started connecting with people, like everybody was really far away, but did you start connecting with anybody that was close to you and then being able to meet up with people? No, I didn't really meet up with anybody for a long time. I think the first time I actually went to like a super meeting was April. It was the rugged Roo crew, like uh retreat to ocean shores. Oh yeah. Wherever it is. They do that like every year. So it was like the first time they did it or the second time it was last year. Okay. That they did it. And I was really like the first event that I really went to that was like super oriented. And I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I wanted to start doing this. Um, and then after that, I kind of spent a lot of time modifying my car. And then the first like real, real event where I was like ready to show off my car and everything was Big Northwest last year in August. Nice. Um, so I went there and like I still had like no off-roading experience, no like real car enthusiast experience. Mm-hmm. So it was really neat to go to that. And then and then I left and then I came back and I started being more a part of it. I started going to like um uh, car meets that i found on instagram there's an instagram page for the pacific northwest called pnw cars and they oh, post cool. like car meets um so i went to one of those started getting some friends started like talking to people on instagram and that's i think that's really how i got into the community nice yeah it's it's pretty amazing like i, I know i say this all the time but it's like it's just so cool how buying a car can bring so much into your life because like you were saying before when you bought your car you're like oh it's just another purchase but then you know and it's not going to be for everybody that buys a Subaru because there's all these you know like I live around a bunch of people that are just obviously it seems like just daily drivers like they probably don't have an Instagram for their account for their car and they don't have you know um they're not doing any mods or anything. So they probably don't even know about the Instagram or I mean the, uh, they probably don't know about the Subaru community, but mm-hmm. for those of us that do find it, it's like, where have this, where has this been all my life? You know? Yeah. I mean, no fault to the people that don't modify their cars. I don't blame them at all. You know, if I had oh, yeah, a, of course a not. busy life like them, just, I wouldn't want to modify my car. It doesn't seem worth my time or my money. Right. But for us to be a part of this amazing small little community just in you know all over the world but connected mostly via internet is it really is kind of a blessing to be able to have it yeah yeah and so like um with your mods like when you first started modding were you like hey i i want to do more and more and i'm guessing you were probably seeing as you were connecting with other accounts you were seeing what other people were doing um, so where there's like, were there some accounts that were influencing what you were started to do? Um, so I think the first major mod besides like putting in a subwoofer, you know, kind of an okay subwoofer, but a subwoofer <laughs> was, um, my bumper was really my first major mod. And that was a whole huge endeavor that I did not expect it to be. 
And I got the idea from Subaru Rob on Instagram, who actually lives in the Portland area or Vancouver. Nice. Um, and he has a full force metalworks bumper. And that bumper is like 1600 bucks. And that's the cheapest bumper that you can find for a 2003 Super Forester. Wow. Like, I don't want to spend that much money. And I, I worked at the machine shop that I work at now and they had a welder and I'm like, well, I'm just going to make a bumper. Um, so that was really, I completely lost sight of the question. Uh, there's Super Rob and then uh, Forester Sport on Instagram. He's not really mm. active anymore. But he took some really amazing pictures of his, um, I think, 2006 Super Forester. It's like the nice super blue and everything. Yeah. And he did some pretty cool mods to it. And there's probably a couple of other people, but I can't remember them. So how did you go about designing the bumper? So in high school, I was part of the manufacturing program. So I already had some like 3D CAD work. Um, under my belt, but it was using a program called Rhino. Um, and I didn't want to use that anymore, mainly because you had to pay for it. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's like kind of a lesser known program. It's not really meant for uh, engineering or uh, like mechanical engineering, like parts engineering. Okay. But my dad uses SolidWorks all the time at work. And that's what they use at the machine shop for their programs is SolidWorks. And um, it's the industry standard for CAD work. So I got a student license and started using that to design my bumper. Um, and then with the help of one of my coworkers there and my dad at home, I was able to design it. So did you like just start measuring your, your the front part of your Forester or did you kind of take some ideas from other bumpers that you saw out there or was it just completely just like out of your head? It was definitely based on the full force metalworks bumper that Super Rob has. If you look at them, you can probably see similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely did take measurements of my Forester. Like the reason I really wanted to start making the bumper was I had an accident in March and I slid off the road and slid into a tree and it destroyed my crash bar and oh. destroyed the plastic bumper in front of it. Mm-hmm. And I had already been wanting to mod my Forester and I was like, you know, whatever. Now's the time. Let's go ahead and do it. You know, I'm not going to college anymore because I just dropped out. Let's go ahead and mod it and make it what I want it to be, what I've always wanted it to be. Um, so I started looking. The full force metalworks bumper is it looks really good. Um, so I did base my design off that and just started there. So how long did it take from like when you started designing it to when you finally put it on? uh to putting it on probably about three and a half months for it to be fully painted about four months okay that's not too bad but that was also working at least three nights a week wow probably two to three nights a week uh for four hours at a time just working on it and i could have cut time down if i had measured properly when i first designed it but i didn't so i had to do a lot of trimming (laughs) to get it to fit on the divorcer oh okay yeah yeah, but now it's on there and it looks good. You did a good job. Exactly. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's. I might design it again at some point uh, just because it's really heavy. Uh, I estimate it's about 200 pounds with a winch. Wow. So that's a lot of weight to put on the front end. Yeah. Um, so maybe at some point I'll put another one on there. But again, it's a huge pain to do. 
and people already know what it is. They've already seen it. So I'm kind of reluctant. Yeah. I mean, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. No, it's a, uh, I'm sure it was like a very rewarding experience too. Once you finally got it on and, and now the way that it looks, cause it looks really good. Thank you. You're welcome. I, it definitely is very rewarding. I think the, the most rewarding part of it is not the fact that it's on there. It's the fact that other people see that it's on there. Yeah. And it's most, even most lifted foresters in the area don't do a custom bumper because it is so expensive. And so much of an in-depth mod, like I've only seen one full force metalworks bumper and that's the only other custom bumper I've seen in the area Wow, on a forester. Yeah. So that's, the main thing that people come up and like look at is like, oh, that's a cool bumper. Where'd you get it? Um, and I have to tell them I made it custom, and then I get all the comments about, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and it's yeah, very rewarding to be able to do that, especially because it was my first welding project. Like I had never welded before in my life. Wow! And I started doing that, and just for it to be my first welding project, and for it to get compliments like that is absolutely amazing. So how did you how did you learn to weld? Did you have somebody that worked with you to show you how to do it, or did you like? Uh, I mean, where did you where did you learn how to do it? Uh, so I did have my coworker. So his name is Nick, um, and he helped me design the bumper, and then helped me with the beginning tack weld part of it. But he was really busy, so he couldn't really help me a lot. So he helped he helped me get started. But I really learned because I found a YouTube video by Eastwood, which is a welder manufacturer. Mm-hmm. They did a 45 minute long video uh, teaching their cameraman to weld. So it went through every single you know little process. And because it was their cameraman, they had to be like really down level. Yeah. So I sat that video up like in the corner that I found a rusty piece of metal that nobody used in the shop and put it down. I just started doing welds as I was watching the video. And it took me like an hour and a half or something, but I eventually got it like, okay, cool. Let's start in the bumper. So uh, I will say some of the welds in the bumper are not the best, but there should be structural enough to be okay. That's awesome though. I mean, for your first time doing it and then like watching a YouTube video to, uh, to help you out, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's exactly why I'm just like, yeah, it's whatever. It's my first project, right? I, don't expect it to be absolutely amazing, but hopefully if I do another one in the future, it'll be really nice. Yeah. Just start your own, you know, bumper company. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had a couple of people try to ask me like uh close friends or something like, Hey, like, would you make me a bumper? And I'm like, uh, no, like it's <laughs> a four month process. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, especially for when you could go get one. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to like, just have it not be right. And then, then you gotta, yeah. Yeah. That would just, that would be a process and not as rewarding because you're not doing it for yourself. I mean, if it came out great and they were like, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. This is the best ever. Then Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, it would just be, it'd be too much. It'd be very time consuming. And especially for the vehicles they wanted me to do it on was a, uh, like Nissan Pathfinder and a Chevy S10. Like, those are more off-road oriented vehicles to begin with. I feel like there's already cheaper bumpers out there. Yeah. Like why have me spend the time for not a lot of money 
is so much time and effort to do it. It's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So what other mods are you uh, planning to get or do? Oh, oh boy. That's a <laughs> list. Um, well, I, I mean, I would love for it to continue by just, you know, blossom into something amazing, but we'll see. Uh, I'd love to get this year. I want to put the subwoofer under the floor. So I don't have my spare tire in like the wheel well. Uh, I have it sitting in my back seat, buckled in. <laughs> because that was the only place I could fit it. And I didn't want to pay for a um, swing out carrier yet. Especially yeah. Because I have an inch and a quarter hitch on mine, which is like a really small one. And nobody really makes stuff for it. Okay. So I'd love to do that this year, put the subwoofer in there. But that's, we'll see. Uh, maybe get a better stereo, a double den stereo, because I just have a single den. And like there's a special trim where you can like relocate the stereo to where the clock is on the dash. So it's a lot more visible. So oh, that's cool. That. Uh, love to do a swing out carrier for the tire. And I think just general maintenance. Yeah, just general maintenance. Try to get it ready for my trip later this year. Yeah. What's uh, what trip do you have planned? So currently, we'll see if gas prices inhibit it. But <laughs> yeah, my yeah, my friend from New Mexico, uh, Enzo's Whips on Instagram, is coming up to Oregon to come do Big Northwest in Washington. So he's going to come up. We're going to spend like three days in Oregon. We're going to go up to Big Northwest, and then we're going to drive from Big Northwest all the way to Colorado to make uh, meet Casey FXT. Nice. And the whole software nation group down there. Yeah. And then we'll hang out with him for like four days. And then hopefully after that, we'll go do Moab since we're so close and for like a day or two. And then I'll head back. So when, when is that? When is big Northwest? I don't remember what the date is. So big Northwest itself is August 7th. Okay. So, so just start putting some money away a little bit of time for gas. <laughs> Well, I already have, and I plan to, but I don't want it to get too expensive. Like, if it gets over $7 a gallon, I'm like, no, there's no way. Yeah, that's just crazy. Because, I mean, here, it's it just got a little over $4, and it had been... What? <laughs> yeah. What the heck? Yeah. It's, it's $5 here. Yeah, it, I think it's like, I think the last time I got gas, it was like four nineteen or something. And that's the highest oh. I've ever seen it, I think, my entire life. Um, I think maybe it got higher than that at one point, but I mean, just maybe three months ago, four months ago, it was under $3 and, and it's just mm -hmm. like, it's just getting crazy. And I drive a lot and yeah. which, which sucks. And then like my, uh, not that I'm complaining about it, but my girlfriend lives in Dallas. So, and, and I live in Houston. So it's like a, like a thing. So it's a four and a half hour drive. I looked it up the other day. I think Ooh. it's to go from my house to her house it's 286 miles. And so the last time I went up there, which was two weeks ago, I think I put in, I had, a, I had already filled up before I went up there. So I didn't really count that, but I was able to get up there and part of the way back. And then I'd gotten down pretty low. And I think it was like 58 bucks to fill up, which I know for some people, they would probably wish for that. But mm -hmm. it was, uh, that was more than I had spent in a long time on gas or ever on gas with this car. Yeah. What kind of gas mileage do you get in it with it all lifted and everything? Uh, I'm getting like 23.9 is what it's saying. 
Um, but I don't have a lift. I just have wheels and tires, but then I have my rooftop basket and my tire up there. And that mm. really cut down on my mileage because I was getting, yeah. I think I was getting like my average in the city and like just well combined, I guess my overall, I think it was like 27 or 28 for a, a long time. And then when I got the wheels and tires, it went down. Then when I got the rooftop basket, it went down. And then when I put mm-hmm. the tire up there, it went down even more. Yeah. That's funny because my highest ever was 24 miles per gallon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I normally get about 18 miles per gallon right now. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's not great. Which, like, compared to trucks, it's, it's e- amazing. But it's but still, yeah. yeah, it's not the best. So about i think 60 bucks for me to fill up normally and i usually only let it get to a quarter of a tank so yeah it ends up costing me a lot so earlier when you were talking about going up and hanging out with rugged Roo crew in mm-hmm. one of your posts you had talked about that going up there but mm-hmm. you you see you mentioned that you hung out with them but you mentioned falcon Roo one specifically and you mm-hmm. called him out and you said that he was awesome. So what was it about him that you like called him out specifically? It was mainly because when I went there, like I didn't know anybody. So I was just kind of like hanging out and just like existing in the uh, Subaru group. Mm-hmm. But I parked right next to Falcon Roo and we got to talking. He was like the only person that I really talked to while I was at that event. Uh, he actually did invite me to go out with their camping trip on long beach the weekend after but i didn't get to go um but he invited me he kind of included me and that was absolutely amazing especially for being my first event um so i really appreciated that out of him yeah and it's it's funny because i've driven his car but i haven't met him because he is in san francisco so when i went up there to go um hang out with rugged root crew he was already gone and he mm-hmm. left his, um, well, his wife left the key in like a little lockbox, um, like at, at the, like near their front door. And then, mm-hmm. so I got the key out, but yeah, I haven't met him, but I, I've met his car. Hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. He's a pretty cool outback. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he's a great guy too. So I was like very, very thankful that somebody that I haven't even met said, Hey, you can just borrow my car. Like, mm-hmm. okay, sweet. Thank you. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty cool guy. I recommend meeting him. And his brother's pretty cool too. They like look like twins. Oh. They're they're both pretty cool. Yeah. Um so I guess with your with your mods, um I I mean, I, I don't want to assume that that I the, what I'm thinking about is is the one, but if you had to get rid of all of your mods and you can only keep one, which would it be? Uh, my sound system. Oh, yeah. See, I was yeah. thinking the bumper, but. No, I mean, the bumper is really cool and I'm really proud of it. But if I really had to keep something, the one thing that really affects my drive every day is having a little bit of a better sound system. That's a very good point. I would definitely keep that one uh, because like I tried living without the subwoofer, like taking it out of times to move stuff. And it's just. It's unbearable. <laughs> so that's why I, I want to get my cargo space back and still keep it. Yeah. And uh, why I continue to put sound system upgrades into my list, like getting a new stereo, getting a more powerful stereo, putting subwoofer in the ground and everything, uh, just because that is my favorite mode, honestly. Yeah, I miss I miss good sound because what I have in my car is, I mean, it's decent to listen to, but 
I used to have mm-hmm. a 97 Ranger and I changed out the door speakers for some two ways. And then I put in an Alpine head unit and then I put an eight inch sub because it was just a regular cab too, but I put an eight inch mm-hmm. dual voice coil sub in this little mm-hmm. box. And then I had an amp pushing like 350 watts to the sub. And for such a small space, it sounded amazing. And then now I have like no bass, you know, in this. I mean, I haven't, that was three cars ago too. So I never upgraded any of my other cars after that. But I definitely would like to do something again at some point. And it's just because you got to have good sound. Yeah. I mean, it's, you spend so much of your life in your car, even if you're just doing commuting to work, right? It's like, even if I had a daily driver car, I feel like at some point I'm going to put a subwoofer ready. I'm going to upgrade the speakers just because it makes life so much more enjoyable while driving. Yeah. And like, you know, with the subwoofer, you don't have to like, it doesn't have to be like so crazy that you're like breaking windows out or anything, but just that, yeah. the added bass, it just like, it really enhances the overall sound and it just makes it sound so much better. Exactly. And like, even for my subwoofer, my, my subwoofer is pretty tame compared to a lot of other people. Like, especially people in my age group, they'll put in like three 12 inch subs pushing 600 Watts and then just like blow their entire car, you know? And <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not enjoyable for me. Like I like having a subwoofer, but not much where I want my ears to bleed. So I'm okay with having a, a little bit tamer. And especially with the way I have mine now, it's like on three for gain on the amplifier, but it can go all the way to 11. Yeah. So I have it turned down on purpose just because that is the adequate amount of sound that it needs to yeah. fulfill the song and make it actually sound good. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have be able to adjust it like that too. Yeah. There's even a um, like a little switch you can get so you can like route it all the way to your dash and then you have a little dial for the bass. Yeah, see mine, um, the Alpine head unit I had a long time ago, it had that built into it where I could adjust it on the head unit, which was really cool. Really? Yeah. So, was it like the old style ones where they had like a separate equalizer I, with like the little dials and everything? I think so. I I, I don't remember exactly. It's been so long, but it mm-hmm. was cool because it had the detachable face. There wasn't Spotify or anything like that back then. So I had mm-hmm. MP3 CDs that I had like 150 songs each, you know, on there. And, uh, you know, I had the little flip down face that you could put the CD in behind it. And that was fun. Uh-huh. But yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't remember exactly like the, all the functionalities of it, but it was, uh, it was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It's kind of sad that the, uh, CDs are fading away. Cause I remember when I first got my car, uh, I was actually really into CDs because I had a six CD changer that came stock from Subaru. <laughs> And I was like, this is awesome. So I went to CD shops and I bought a tons of CDs. Now they just sit in my room collecting dust because uh, I've just done MP3 to Spotify. Yeah. I mean, it's there's something cool about older technology like that. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's cool because like my son really loves older technology and he has this little like CRT TV that he bought that it's like they got the TV and VCR combo and uh mm. yeah he loves it but yeah like cds and vinyl i mean there's a reason the vinyl is coming back and being strong is because like just like taking the the vinyl out of the cover and like wiping off the dust and putting it on the recorder that's part of like your music food um, yeah as regular car reviews put it um 
it just adds something to the experience, like taking the CD out of the case and putting it in your CD player. It's a different feeling compared to clicking something on your phone. Yeah, and the crackle of a vinyl is like one of the best sounds ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So what would you say with your Forester has been your most useful mod? Useful? Um, I guess the lift. Like, because there's so many times where I've like gone over corners or gone over bumps or wanted to go over something or gone to a steep driveway. Just having that lift is like, oh, this is no problem. I could just go through it and not have an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Where have you actually traveled with your Forester? Just like as far as like trails and, and other places that you like to go explore. So my first real place was going out to Mount Hood with uh, someone who had a stock outback from like the 90s. So we explored, it's called Powerline out there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it just follows the power line. So we did that. And then I go to, I've been down to Bend, I think three times. So I've done some trails down there. Uh, we explored east of Bend, like right above, uh, I think it's Fort Rock, right in that area. Just kind of a bunch of desert roads. And then I've been out to Brown's Camp once um, with a group. And I'd love to go with an even more intense group because even with all those groups, I have not reached the limit of my Forester. And I would love to go find the limit and actually use my winch for once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have like, well, I mean, I know, I know you said you want to go out to Colorado and, and hang mm-hmm. out with the people down there in Software Nation and then go to Moab. But is mm-hmm. there like, like a bucket list place that you would really want to go if you could anywhere, if it was like, if it didn't matter, like time, distance, money didn't matter. Is there a bucket list place you'd like to go? Um. Either another part of the world with my car, like some like really intense spot, or Alaska. Yeah. I would love to drive through Canada and go up there and just explore. Uh, I recently found, I think it's Overland Expeditions. Uh, mm, they're yeah. like a, a really, you know, the professional YouTube channel. And they went up to Alaska and watching their series. It was absolutely amazing and breathtaking that it made me want to go there. Yeah. There's, man, there's just, there's so many really, really cool spots to explore all over. I mean, and it's, it's nice too, because there are a lot of really good spots in the U.S. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. some of them are just really far away. Like, cause like where I live, I live the furthest away from all the cool stuff. I mean, there are some good spots yeah. out here in Texas and not too far away from me. But like when I went out to Colorado and we were, we went out mm-hmm. to, um, it was a road that was behind, um, garden of the gods and chris and juan took us up there and then they took me out to some uh yeah chris and juan took us out to these other trails and you know it wasn't like anything crazy it was just it was dirt roads it wasn't gravel roads which i really liked that it was just dirt because it was smooth driving except for the bumps but like you know on a gravel road it's like bumpy the whole time but this was just like smooth dirt with hills and you know just like little holes and stuff so that was really cool but and then there was some like hill like smaller hills that you had to kind of climb over and and i really really like that experience there's some similar stuff like that out in bastrop where i've been out to but it's mostly all like gravel i mean there's some dirt but a lot of it's gravel so it's like 
bumpy the whole time. And I just, I really would love to go find some more trails that are just, I don't know. I mean, there's, I see all these yeah. people like Rugged Roo Crew and they, they went out to Moab and then like, you know, mm -hmm. Soft Road Nation, they're going to different places. And then you've got people up in the Northeast that are doing like these um, forest roads and these like fire roads and stuff. Or And, and mm -hmm. I'm just like, I mean, we don't have anything like that here because most of the land in Texas is private land. So we don't have any like just forests that have trails in them that we can go hit. So it kind of sucks out here. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. I mean, part of it is like as you go farther and farther west in the United States, the more there is BLM land because yeah. the farther like once, uh, you know, America was expanding right as they expanded across the U.S. and they got to the West Coast and they're like, oh, this is all the land we get. And then they started like hoarding all the land. So I think like 50 percent of Oregon land is federally owned is BLM land. And like, it's still leased to farmers and grazers and stuff, but that's also public land for us to use. Yeah. So we get the opportunity to go on all these, you know, forest roads and just go wherever. And it's, it's really cool. Like if you ever get the opportunity, you should move to the West coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what my future holds, but I would love to at least, you know, go out there and explore some more. It's just, you know, it's, uh, it's just hard because like everything is so far away and there's, mm -hmm. so it's like, I mean, when I went to Colorado, I think it was like 18 hours or something. So we had to stop overnight. You know, I was looking at originally when I was, when I went up to Washington, I was like, I wonder how far it is to drive. And it was like one day in 10 hours. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just yeah. too far to drive, especially because like I was going with my son. And so like, I was going to be the one that was going to have to drive the entire time. So I'm like, there's, there's just no way I can do that. So it was easier to just fly. Yeah. It'd be very, very exhausting. Yeah. What has surprised you most about your Forester's capabilities? Honestly, how far it's gotten. Because like I've said, I haven't, I've only gotten stuck once. And that was because I was in the snow and I was going up. And I knew when to stop and then I didn't reverse right. And I reversed right into a three foot snow bank. Uh, so that's the only time I got stuck. And besides that, it's been able to take me where I wanted to within, you know, as long as I don't like try to drive up a giant mountain <laughs> that I've been okay. Yeah. And I think one of the foresters is like one of the best cars, honestly, just my opinion, at least the older ones, because you could get an XT, right? Like top trim turbo model. And you could either slam it to the ground and make it a track car, or you could make it a drift car if you really wanted to, or you can lift it like I did, or you could just keep it stock. Like you could go the lowered or lifted route. And it's really hard to find a car that could do both. I think the only like major like category that could also do that is trucks. Like you have drift trucks, you have yeah. giant lifted trucks and stuff like that. But for just one type of car, or what uh, model car to have that is really, really cool. So, and what gen is your, your Forester? So I have a second gen pre facelift. Okay. What do you mean by pre facelift? So the second gen is split into like two eras. It's like 2003, 2005 is pre facelift and 2006 to 2008 is post facelift. Um, so the pre the only real difference is like the front end and some of the trim. 
is okay. the only real difference. Uh, a lot of the internal components swap. I think almost all the suspension drive train components swap. There's a couple things that in 2004 they switched because of the XD, as they didn't start the XD until 2004. So some of the like components switched a little bit, but most of it switches over. But on the pre facelift, it has like a bull nose design. Mm-hmm. So like the grill kind of slants down and out. And then the eyes kind of look like, or the headlights look like outback eyes. Or okay. Outback headlights. Yeah. And the post facelift kind of has like eyes where they like the corners of them. It comes into a quarter, it goes up. And then the grill is different. It's it's kind of hard to describe without looking at it pictures. Yeah. It just looks a little different. And uh, the front bumper is in line with the grill. So like the grill comes down and then it smoothly transitions into the bumper. Well, the pre-facelift versions has like the grill portion with the headlights and then an extended bumper that comes out. So it kind of like is more blocky. Okay. Yeah. Well, your generation of Forester is my favorite. Um, really? Yeah. I, I, the new ones are nice, but there's just something about, I love how the older ones are boxy like that. And, um, and actually there's one that is same generation there's a Shipley Donuts over here that's on the way to um, when I take my son to school. And just like what you were saying, th- his is lowered. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and it looks really good. But um, it's just, I love the boxiness of it and then just the overall look. Um, and, I mean, the new ones are nice, but I just, yeah. I really like the old ones. Sorry, uh, Neil Skis and Overlanding RT and anybody else that has newer ones there. Uh, and... Yeah, I'm sorry. I just <laughs> tend to have the best generation of Forrester. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, but I'm also impartial. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Definitely biased. Yeah. But the older Foresters have that like rompy station wagon look while also being a crossover SUV, right? So yeah, they it's a look they're never going to get back. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean... I and I think that's what I really liked about the Crosstrek is because I had well I I always liked the um, WRX and STI hatchbacks and mm. but like I was like oh I w- you know there's no way I'd be able to get one of those because they were out of my price range but then right. I the time like when I bought my car before I bought my the car that I had before my Crosstrek um, I just like I didn't really have the Forester and the Outback were also out of my price range, but they also, like, they just didn't really appeal to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but then when I saw the Crosstrek, I was like, and I didn't even know it was a Subaru at first. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what is that car? You know? And then I saw the Subaru badge and I was like, oh, it's a Subaru. And then I had to look it up later because I couldn't see that it said Crosstrek on it because of the angle that I was at. But, mm-hmm. but of course, now owning a Subaru and being in this community. Now I love seeing any Subaru, no matter where I go. Like I'll see, Mm -hmm. you know, like the latest generation Outback and I'm like, Oh yeah, look at that. And I'll see Mm -hmm. like it's Forrester. I'm like, Oh, look at that. You know, Mm -hmm. and you know, anything. And, and I just like every, every Subaru I see now though, excites me. And while I still like the Crosstrek the best, just for the body styling and everything and for the size, and it just seems to fit me perfectly i still like you know i still like all the other subarus now whereas before it was just like eh, it's a subaru 
but right. it's different now. Yeah, exactly. I I love trying to go around and seeing all the different Subarus, especially being in Oregon. There's so many of them, and some of them are actually modded. And when I find those, I try to wave at them and try to see who actually gets me back. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's actually kind of cool to do that. But I think my favorite Subaru would probably be like a 2008 Subaru STI hatchback when they had the yeah. Hawkeye design, but they were also hatchback. Mm-hmm. Like those, when they're lowered, just they look amazing to me. And like, yeah, I love the Forester, but if I could get, you know, an STI hatchback, I'd probably do that, honestly. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Those are nice. Because I, I just but, love a hatchback because it gives you more flexibility if you need to like put stuff in it. Exactly. I mean, they're the best car. They're just, there's nothing against them, right? Is that hatchbacks are amazing. Yeah. Yep. What essential gear do you take with you when you actually go out onto trails? So, um, I have the winch, um, which I haven't used yet and kind of afraid to use because I haven't fully built the bumper to take it. Like, so the bumper is designed onto the factory bumper mounts. So it's not like fully secured to the car yet. So if I probably pulled with it, it'd probably pull my bumper off the car. Um, so I need to go back and like weld it into the subframe with some bolts so that I can actually use it properly. But I carry that, which I haven't used yet. I just got a recovery rope, the kinetic ones. Yeah. So I added that to my arsenal. And then I had a toe strap. Um, I have some soft shackles, some hard shackles, uh, some recovery boards from Amazon. And probably one or two more things but oh and a winch dampener um so i just carry that i haven't really had to use much of it but i always have it in my rooftop box so it's just always there and i don't have to worry about it yeah yeah i i would like to get some kind of well i mean i i I don't really need any recovery gear because i don't ever go anywhere but (laughs) yeah uh, so you mentioned driving through snow um have you been like through mud or sand uh, I've been through a little bit of mud, um, but not a lot. And I've driven on sand with the rugged root crew. And then I think once by myself, um, was it, I think mud is, hmm? was it soft sand? It was on a beach, so okay. like a drive on beach. And like, I drove through some of the like sandbars that had blown on. So there was like collections of soft sand, but like right after it was hard sand. So I didn't really have like a full experience of being in soft sand. Okay. Yeah. What were you saying about mud? I uh, I mud's definitely my favorite. Yeah, it's uh it's I don't know. I I mean, I haven't had an opportunity to drive through like snow snow. I really mm-hmm. would love to at some point, but the times that I've hit the mud, I just I like the feeling of the car slipping around. There's just something about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's Oh, it's a lot of fun to sling mud onto your car. <laughs> yeah, I did that the other day. I think it was last yeah? weekend. Yeah. I found there's a, the high school that my daughter used to go to, there's a spot behind there. And when the gates are open, mm-hmm. it's nice. And especially after it has, has rained because it gets kind of muddy. And I'm sure I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to be back there, but I go back there anyway. And <laughs> so, but it's, yeah. I, I, I can't. It, that's the closest place to me. And there's, there's not really any other spots that I can go to that are muddy. Mm-hmm. I tend to find like mud puddles on the side of the road and I like intentionally drive through them. So my car's like always dirty. And I can't <laughs> ever stop it. 
Yeah. And like, I remember, I know there's like one road near me and I was like driving by and I saw a giant mud puddle. I'm like, Ooh, I want to come back and do that. Just, it's always fun. Yeah. There is a spot, um, off the, like the highway going up to my girlfriend's house. There's a, um, so there's this, uh, big giant, um, gas station and like service center and cool store called Bucky's here in Texas. And there's this, but there's a little, there's this little spot off to the side when you kind of go loop around to get to it and there's nothing there. And it's like just dirt, but I've been by there before when it's muddy and I've been Mm -hmm. tempted to drive through it. But sometimes too, it's like, I don't know if there's anything in there below the mud. So you got to be careful with that too. Honestly, I don't even worry about that much. Like if I, I don't know, I haven't had any trouble with popping tires. My only real concern is like it being actually slick under there and then me driving through and actually getting stuck. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, there's a, so there, there's a, a trail up north of Houston called Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger Loop. And then there's this mm-hmm. spot that breaks off and it has this big mud puddle in it. And I've driven through it before, but I was driving through one time and I was going around looking at the puddle and I saw this brick in there and I was like, oh, that's not good. So I like picked it up and threw it out. And then I was like, I don't know if I want to drive through here anymore because I don't know what else might be under there. And then the last time I went out there, there was a lot of debris and stuff that was in that puddle because Mm. it was a lot lower. And I was like, man, there's some bad stuff in here. Mm -hmm. So that's always sketchy. Yeah. I had a question. Why do you know why it's called cheeseburger loop? I've always, you've talked about it in your podcast. That's like always been a weird name to me. I, I actually don't know. I've never asked anybody. I just know that that's what it's called. And and it, it's one of those where it's just like mostly gravel roads and then some of it's on paved road. So it's nothing like, and, and I've only been through maybe a fourth of it because it's a really big loop. And I think it takes like five and a half hours to drive the whole thing without stopping. Oh, wow. um, and I've never done it because I just haven't had the time to go do it. Um, mm-hmm. But... So I don't, there may, there may be some really good spots that I haven't even seen yet, but the parts that I've been to, it's mostly just gravel roads and it's nice because it's in the wooded, it's in a wooded area, but it's not really anything exciting, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I know there's plenty of roads around here where they just go on forever and ever. And like, there's certain areas where you could probably spend a year or two coming out every weekend and exploring and you want to find everything. And you know, there's multiple of those areas around here. It's absolutely insane how many roads we have out here. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's some nice stuff like further west from where I live. Um, there's like the Texas Overland Trail and then there's James River Road. But I think both of those are like at least three hours away. So if, yeah. if I want to go out there, I can't just like drive an hour or an hour and a half or something and then go explore for a while and stuff. I mean, it's going to be like either a day long thing or a weekend long thing. And I just, mm-hmm. I just haven't set the time aside to go do it, but I do, I think I might try to do that sometime this summer and just go out there and, and take my son out there with me and go explore because he's getting into photography. So there'd probably be some really good photo ops for him out there. Oh, definitely. What kind of camera does he get? So my girlfriend had a Nikon D60 that she wasn't using. So she gave it to me 
and then like maybe a year and a half ago or something. And then I never really learned how to use it. And so when I saw that he started getting into photography and getting interested, I gave it to him. And when I, when she gave it to me, I looked it up and it was like, at the time it was like a 10 year old camera, but all the stuff that I saw on it that of people like talking about it on YouTube videos and stuff, they were saying, it's an old camera, but it's a really good camera. And I think it's a really good camera for him to start on. Oh, definitely. I don't know Nikon very well, but it sounds pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have like a flip out screen or anything. It doesn't take video, but I mean, for him just to learn the functionality of a camera, you know, learning like all about shutter and ISO and aperture and stuff, all of that stuff is going to be really good to learn. Cause I told him, I said, you used to learn, learn to use this camera really well. And then when you're ready to upgrade to a better one, then you already know how to do all the functions and, you know, you'll be able to grow into another camera. Exactly. That's the perfect way to learn. Like I don't even bother with the presets on my camera. Like, yes, I've just started, but it's better to learn a manual and get through all that trial and error yeah. so that when I get to something even better, it's like, Oh, I just, it's instinct to know what settings I need. Yep. So yeah, it's a good for him too. Yeah. So if you, uh, if you had an opportunity to meet up with three people in the community whom you have not met yet in person, you could just like hang out or hit some trails with or something, who would they be? Ooh, um, Forrester Sport, although he isn't really part of the community anymore. Um, he still has a Subaru. That's true. I think, but he hasn't like posted in a long time. I think he might have sold it or something. Yeah. Which is sad, but you know, if I can meet him, it'd be pretty cool, especially just because his Forrester looks amazing. Um, I think on the Rue again, I haven't talked to her a lot, but she seems really cool. I'd love to hang out with her. Mm-hmm. I think she's in California. So same with her. It's Carla Outback. Uh, and then I think it's a Bulbasaurus STI. Or uh, you had her on, I think at one point. Was it Samasaurus? Yes. Yeah, Samasaurus WRX. Yeah, I've been following her for a while. And she does some really cool content. And has some really cool cars and I'd love to be here at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I like her, uh, her WRX is pretty cool. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. So you have been like, as far as people you've been out with rugged Roo crew, I saw you did some stuff with mountain Roo and then you've hung out mm-hmm. with Dan who goes by satanic Subaru. Who's part of mm-hmm. soft road nation, NorCal. But do you have mm-hmm. like a crew that you usually hang out with, or is it just kind of like anybody that you can meet up with? It's mainly the uh, Mountain or Oregon crew. Um, okay. They're really private, so it's kind of hard to get. Like, if you wanted to come join, it might be hard for you. They're a very private group. They like their privacy. Uh, but I happened to get lucky. I'm out, I met them at Big Northwest, and that's how I got to know them. And so I've been a part of that group and that's the main group that I go off road with. Okay. But if I knew anyone like, um, I tried to get, uh, F FXter. He lives out in Hillsboro here. He drives, uh, Subaru Baja. And I've tried to get him to go off roading with me. I've tried to go with a couple other Subarus that I met over the last couple of meetings. 
And if I could go out with uh, Satanic Super again and actually go off running, that'd be great. So yeah. anyone, I mean, if I have time and they want to go off running with me, I am more than happy to do it because I I want more experiences with off running. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's, there's just something about getting out and hitting the trails and then also being able to go out with other people. Cause, I mean, it's it's cool to go out by yourself, but it's just, it's so much more fun with other people, especially if you have people, like if you're in situations where it looks kind of sketchy, they can help you pick your lines and guide you and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I really do not like going by myself just because of that reason. Like I have the recovery gear. I carry an SOS device on me, but even then I'm just like, I know I can be pretty ignorant and like get anxious and not things through <laughs> and then take it, take a line and might get stuck. Um, so even with all the gear I carry, I much more prefer to go out with people knowing that even if I get sick, oh, there's someone there. Yeah. Um, and like, I did that when I went, tried to go up to, it's a place called Barney Reservoir, uh, which is like, it's on Weyerhaeuser land. So Weyerhaeuser is like a logging company, but they also lease the land. And sometimes they open the gates for public access. Oh, and nice. Tucked back there is a place called Barney Reservoir which is like a water reservoir or something. I don't know. Anyways, you could go out there, but the road out there is pretty rough because it's like the logging gravel. So yeah. it's like half inch to an inch or two inch wire round pieces of rock that consists of this gravel. Um, so the first time I went out there, I went out on stock tires and I was I could see the reservoir and I was so close to getting to the bottom and then I popped the tire. Oh, no. So I had to get a change. The second time was on my uh, HBL, which is holiday block leave. So during my training for National Guard, I got to come home for two weeks during Christmas. And during that time, it had snowed really heavily on December 26th. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go ex- try to get to Brighty Reservoir again. And I was still, I think, 10 miles out from actually reaching it when the snow got too deep. And I got up and I realized I couldn't get any further. So I tried to back down. I backed to, to a snow bank and I actually got myself stuck. And I was trying to dig myself out for like 45 minutes. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Thankfully uh, there was a group and they were just kind of watching me. Like they tried to take their lifted Jeep and go up and they decided to like stop and just kind of have a fire right around a bed. Mm-hmm. And they watched me dig for a little bit and it looked like they were about to go away. I was like, oh, no, they're really going to leave me. They're going to be jerks. And they're just going to leave me to try to dig myself out. And then it, they came up and they put their uh, witch light on me and pulled me out real quick. And all, that's all it was, was just a simple tug. Yeah. And I was out of the hole I dug myself in. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's good that they didn't <laughs> just leave you there. Yeah, I was really happy. I really thought they would because it was 45 minutes of them watching me. And then Man. I saw their cars disappear. And I was like oh no they're actually gonna leave me like i'm just gonna be stuck here and have to call my friend or something yeah so after that i was like okay i need to stop making stupid decisions i need to bring (laughs) someone with me when i go off-roading uh so that this stuff doesn't happen again i don't i never want to get stuck it's just i never want that to happen yeah so what what would you say has been your biggest lesson learned or, or owning your forester uh in terms of like maintenance or off-road capability or i guess i guess anything okay i'd say the the off-road capability was definitely that getting stuck in the snow because that was really the first time i got stuck 
And I was like, oh, okay. Like I, this actually, you can get stuck with this thing. Like at that point I thought I was invincible and then I actually got stuck (laughs) and I probably could have got myself out after like three hours, but it was like more like, oh, I need to bring someone along. I need to be, I just need to bring someone along and just make sure that I have a backup. So anytime I go off-roading now, I'm just like, I want another vehicle with me. Yeah. Even, you know, just in case. Um, And then I think maintenance wise, what I've started to realize recently is that like, I'm never going to get this car to a hundred percent condition without spending thousands of dollars on it Yeah, and putting a ton of time into it. So like, there's things that are wrong and things that bug me and I'd love to fix, but it's such an insurmountable list that I'm never going to fix it. And I feel like on the flip side of that, it's like at some point, like my next car should probably be newer or a car that I don't want to look perfect so that I don't have to worry about fixing all the small things like I do now. So just uh, investing in a better, not a better car, but like a, a newer car with less miles so that yeah. I don't have to do as much maintenance on it. Yeah. Well, speaking of another car, do you think you will own a Subaru again? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, so I'm currently looking at getting a rally car because after last weekend, I was like, <laughs> this is cool. I want to do this again. So I've started looking at possibly a Honda CRX, mm-hmm. which is it's it's based on a Honda Civic. So there's tons of aftermarket support for it. And it's super light. So like even though it's got a small engine, it could still go pretty fast. So if I put an even better engine in it and like strip all the interior out of it for rally, it would do pretty good. And there are some videos of like CRX is just like absolutely shredding, but it's not a Subaru. So I think if I were to sell the Forester, the only other time I would get another Subaru would either be as a family car, like a Subaru Ascent, you know, or something to like carry people yeah. around or an STI to fulfill my STI dreams. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of rally, you went to, um, which event was it that you went to? I went to the Oregon Trail Rally. Yeah, and so we were talking before we started recording, but you didn't just go observe. You were uh, you volunteered, correct? Yes. So I think it was Rhiannon Gelsomino. Yeah, pretty sure she had mentioned. She had mentioned like if you want to get in a rally and want to go check it out, you should volunteer. And I was like, okay. So for my first ever rally event, I decided to volunteer instead of spectating, and. I'm glad I made that decision because it allowed me to kind of see a little bit of like the back workings of it, how the event actually works. It also allowed me to get there for free uh, and meet a cool bunch of cool people, be there all day. Don't have to worry. And because my uh, aerial leader was cool enough and she did enough rallies and she knew I was into photography, she let me leave and go do some pictures at the same time. Oh, that's so that cool. Was, that was really cool. But as part of the volunteer part, I was the uh, regroup out service in part. So as they came back from doing their stages, they would go talk to serve or uh, regroup in. So like regroup all the cars and then they would come down just like a hundred feet and talk to us. So they would hand us their cards. And then once they got to their specified time to start their service time, I would sign off their card, give it back to them. And then they would be on their way to start their 35 minute service. So that way I got to be 
all of the teams. I talked to all of their, at least co-drivers. Uh, I got to meet Rian and Jess Lomito. Uh, I know you mentioned his name before we started recording, but uh, Brandon Simonek's co-driver. Yeah, Keaton Williams. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. So I got to meet him. I got to meet uh, Alex Jesselmino. And I got to meet everybody else that was there. And they were all really friendly, really nice. Like I remember got, I remember being told multiple times, like, thank you for volunteering. Oh, and so yeah. many of them said it, that it just like became natural. But to hear that is like really cool. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I would love to go volunteer one of those two. I mean, it'd be cool to, to be able to just like go and maybe hang out and just watch and everything. But I think volunteering would be like a really cool experience. Yeah, I think it's definitely the better experience because you get to be a part of it and you realize that you're like actually helping stuff out. And like I did do spectating um, for a pretty good majority. So when I got there Sunday, so the last day of the rally, I got there at 6 a.m. and helped with parking the service vehicles in the area. And then she's like, well, I'm going to like pull other people. Like if you want to go do spectating until like two o'clock, you can go do that. So I did spectating nice. for like four hours. That's cool. And yeah, it's fun. But like a lot of the spectating is you are sitting in one area all day. watching <laughs> Yeah. Especially because they'll reuse stages. So like, I think the Boyd loop stage they used twice. So if you're sitting there and you're sitting there for probably six hours watching these cars and yeah it's cool but you're watching the cars for six hours right yeah at least with the service part you could go watch the cars if your uh, area leader chief lets you and then you get to be a part of the event too you get to help out and make sure that they get their times right and everything like that yeah it just it sounds like it's a, a really cool experience and then getting to meet some of the people and like you said seeing the kind of behind the scenes stuff of how it all operates yeah it was Really cool because, like, my parents know who Travis Pastrana is, and they're not into car cars at all. Yeah. And the only reason they know him is because he did uh, a season of America's Got Talent. They did their <laughs> stream things. Yeah. That's the only reason they know him. So I was like, oh, yeah, I got to meet Travis Pastrana. They're like, oh, yeah, I know that name. So it was like the only connection that my parents have really had to uh, cars. And it's really cool to be able to go meet that person. I, did it go say hi? Cause I was really shy. Uh, it didn't feel like it, but it was really cool to be able to like be at least in the area of so many like pro rally drivers. Yeah. And just see that they're, they're human. They're yeah. actually people. Uh, and they just, they act like normal people. And it's crazy to think, Oh, like those people are actually pro rally drivers. Like they do racing for a living, yeah. but they're also <laughs> really cool. Yeah. So it was, awesome to see like i guess my like car rally heroes in real life and be able to see that they're also human kind of legitimized them in my mind yeah and then being around all that talent too yeah exactly i mean it definitely made me want to go into rally like i'm like i need a rally car like i need one i need to come <laughs> back and do this yeah do Even it, if man. I'm doing... yeah i'm thinking about it it's just kind of money thing especially if i'm going to colorado yeah so yeah i'm trying to budget it out we'll see maybe at the end of the summer i could probably afford it right now but then i would start modding that car too and then i want to be able to mod the cars <laughs> yeah so. yeah 
Well, I, I know you were um, away for training for the National Guard. So what, what was that experience like? And what was it like being away from Ray Ray? Uh, it sucked because all I wanted to do was have my car. Um, I remember like my mom was watching the car because I still live at home, right? Uh, I'll be going to college next year, but I still live at home. I gave them the keys before I left. I'm like, watch over my car. They're like, no, I like my car. <laughs> and so she would at least like turn him over and run him like every two weeks, make sure he's good. So like every two weeks when I called him, I was like, hey, how's the car? Is it doing good? <laughs> and yeah, I'd be like, yeah, it's good. And uh, oh, we had to move it. And I, oh, I drove it to the store and got groceries. And my mom actually kind of liked it because she's like, your sound system's really nice. And I just like sat there, turned up the music. And I'm like, yep, yep, it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. So I definitely missed him, but I'm glad my mom was here to take care of him. Um, and then trading, I mean, it sucked. It's trading, but you get over it, you get through it. It's definitely not like uh, Vietnam days where it's just like soul trading. But it's definitely still mentally taxing in some way, physically yeah. taxing a little bit too. Yeah. Um, especially being away for so long. Yeah. How like, long were gone, you away? So six months. Wow. But I got to come back four months in for my holiday Brock leave. So I came back four months, was here for two weeks, and I got to go back for another two months. Yeah. So are you going to have to be away for a while now that you're in the National Guard or like go away occasionally? So like in June, I'm actually, I wanted to go do the Gamewear 500 this year, but it's during the time when I have annual training. So part of National Guard is, and part of reserves too, like active army, as soon as you finish your training, you go to a military base and that's your job. You start there, you get into a unit, you do the maintenance on the trucks, and stuff like that. If you're a 91 Bravo. So 91 Bravo is wheeled vehicle, wheeled vehicle mechanic. So that's what I am. Um, same with Juan, uh, Java, Java wagon, which you've yeah. had on. So we're the same MOS and, you know, he's active army. So he's on a military base. And like, if you, they decided to move him to a different base, he would have to move with it. Yeah. National guard, you sign to the state. Okay. So like the jurisdiction is weird. But like the state technically has jurisdiction first. So like if they could call us for wildfires this summer, or they called Oregon called the National Guard for COVID relief uh the last year. So National Guard's people had to stop their regular jobs and then go do that for the duration of their mission. Wow. Uh so that could happen. And then we're also part of the regular rotation with the army. So like my units got into five year cycle. So every five years we're like ready for deployment and wherever they need us, you know, wherever uh, country abroad that they need us, we will go deploy there and be deployed like a regular army unit. So That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible to deploy, but then on the flip side, you get to do one week in a month, two weeks a year. So this Jude, I'm missing Gamboy 500 because my two week annual training is happening. So I'll be gone like June 10 through 26. And it will be taking all the trucks in our state 
and be driving up all the way to Yakima, Washington, and doing our training out there for two weeks in the field, and then we'll come back. Okay. Um, so that's the main commitment that you have is doing that one week in a month, two weeks here. Yeah. So aside from that and your Subaru, do you have any other hobbies that you are into? Um, I mean, I really like photography, a lot of car photography. So I guess that doesn't really count. Um, sure I does. was doing, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, just the <laughs> photography was, aspect of it, you know. That's true. Yeah, I definitely do photograph other things besides my car. Uh, like we went out to the Tulip Festival. So there's a, it's in Woodburn. It's called the like Wooden Shoe Tulip Festival. And they just have a giant field of tulips. And you can pay a ticket fee and you can get in and just take pictures of the tulips and go look at all the pretty colors. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's a really cool event. So I, I went and took pictures there with my family. Uh, it was my gift to my mom for Mother's Day. Oh, that's nice. So yeah, we got to go take pictures. And that was really cool to have my camera this time to be able to take proper pictures of them. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I was doing jujitsu, but I think I'm going to stop because I really want to work on my car more. Like <laughs> I was getting really irritated of not being able to do as much as I want to. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'll probably stop doing that. Unfortunately, even though that's a lot of fun. Oh, jujitsu is awesome. I loved it. It's so much. You did it. Yeah, I did it for a year because my my brother, he when he went into the Navy, um, he got stationed in Florida first. He started doing a little bit of judo. And then when he went out, when he got stationed in San Diego, he started training jujitsu because he did wrestling in high school. And he one year I, or I was out. Um, I think I was out in San Diego for work one time and I was hanging out mm-hmm. with my brother over the weekend. And he was like, hey, I've been thinking about this and I want to give you the best gift that I think that I could ever give anybody. He said, I want to pay for you to train for a year. And I knew absolutely nothing about jujitsu. And so he said, go find a spot near you. Let me know. And then I'll pay for it. And so he paid for me to train for a year. And man, it's just, there is nothing like jujitsu that I've ever found as far as like, I don't know. It's 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 like one of those things that you yeah. have to do it. You know, you can't really. It's hard to explain. But I had um, yeah. Mushu Trek on, and she trains jujitsu, and we were talking mm-hmm. about how, like, you can be having the worst day ever, and then you go kneel on that mat, and it's like everything else in the world disappears. It's so mm-hmm. crazy how it does that. But yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, I remember doing it. I The main part was like, it's a small gym. So it's like a, a regional gym for uh, CTA. I don't know if you know that program. It's Kyle Terra. He's a, he's a black belt fighter and he started his own academy and he has like regional offices. Um, it's like there's one in Portwood, there's one in Hillsboro, then there's the smallest one, which is a Forest Grove. And Forest Grove is like a city of like 20,000. So it's a okay. pretty small little gym. Yeah. But I remember like the first time I went, I was like, I need to keep doing this because the community is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's hard to get out there and it's like mentally, like I kind of have to like push myself to go out there. So that's part of why I haven't gone as much. And then 
I think the other aspect is like it does cost me some money every month. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I could be it's spending not that cheap. on car parts. No, it's not. And especially with BB kind of younger and being kind of broke, it's uh it's a big cost <laughs> to put out. Yeah. So I especially with saving for Colorado, wanting to get another car, I just don't see it as worth it to me anymore right now, at least. I hope to continue the future though. Yeah, yeah. I mean I would love to go back at some point, but I'm kind of in the same boat where it's like, I could probably afford to go do it right now, but there's just, I have, I mean, I'm working a full-time job and then I'm doing the podcast in the evening and then I have my son. So it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, and I could probably make the time for it, but just, it's just not, not now. At some point, I I would love to go back though. Yeah. It can be very stressful. Like for the classes at the gym that I go to is like seven o'clock. So like, if I want to do that, I can't really do anything else that day. Like I come home, I shower, I eat, and then I go there. So that'd be like my entire rest of my day after work. And to do that at least two to three times a week is two to three days that I don't go to sweat on my car or (laughs) doing everything else that I have to do. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's, jujitsu has to be one of those things where like it is like for us it's with our car it's like that's what we want to spend time doing so people that because like the gym that i trained at the people that most well not everybody but like there's a a pretty good percentage of people that like that's their life like Mm jujitsu is their life and that's what all their focus is that's where all their money goes to like they'll do whatever they can to make sure they can afford it and and Mm -hmm. i totally get that like it's one of those like i said it's for somebody that hasn't trained before, it's like, well, why would you want to do that? You know, why would you want to have that kind of time commitment? And, but it's the mm-hmm. same thing as the way we are with our cars. It's like for people that aren't in the community, the way that we are, somebody mm-hmm. might say, why would you want to do all that stuff to your car? Why would you want to spend so much money on your car? Why do you want to, why do you yeah. love your car so much? What's so great about it? It's like, you just don't understand unless you are here in it and you get it, you know? Yeah. It's hard to describe the, feeling of being able to be like i did that to my car like that is something i get to drive around right and show off to people you're like this is my car i did it this way and like this is who i am it's a part of me right yeah it's an expression and extension of yourself exactly and it i definitely had the same experience with jujitsu where there's most of the people there like that is their extra hobby like they have family they have school or they have jujitsu and for me, it's, I already got cars. Like that's, that's enough of a hobby for me, I think, <laughs> at yeah. least for the moment. Yeah. So uh, that's what I plan on doing. Um, I think the only other hobby that I really have, I guess it's not really a hobby. It's a pastime is I really do like to read. I've gotten back into reading since I went back to trading. So I've been reading a lot of books again. And I don't know if you've ever read books or like actively or like reread books but like rereading a book i've never done it before and it's it's a whole different book and experience compared to the first time i read it because the first time i read it like i'm currently reading edgar's game uh yeah i read it in like ninth grade and i had to read it now it's like i don't even remember most of the stuff that's happening in the book so <laughs> yeah I've been doing that recently. That's been a really good way to like get away from cars a little bit. So it's not like the only thing I'm doing. 
Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of takes me out of the world so I could experience something else. I totally get that because when, before I moved out of my house um, from like from my ex-wife, I, and I was going through all of that, I started getting into reading a lot and I ended up reading all three of the Hunger Games books and I read mm -hmm. all three of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo books. And that was mm -hmm. like my escape and like my way to just kind of immerse myself into something else, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but I did end up reading both of those book series again, like twice. Mm -hmm. And so, and I actually want to go back and read the um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series again, because it was just, it was so good. But I haven't, I haven't read in a long time mm -hmm. and I need to, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I just don't make the time to do it because I'm doing so many other things. But reading is mm -hmm. definitely a very good pastime, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. You know, I mean, my brother's mm -hmm. always trying to get me to read like this, all this nonfiction stuff. And mm -hmm. just like, it just doesn't interest me. If I'm going to read something nonfiction, mm -hmm. I have to be interested in it. And so uh, I like getting immersed in a good story. You know, and it just mm -hmm. picturing everything in your mind as you're reading it and building this whole world within your head of the way that they describe it and stuff. It's just like, it's, it's really cool. I completely agree. I remember when I first read these books, like reading them versus now, I'm like, I didn't imagine any of the stuff in this book, how I it's actually read on the page. So that's what they have been like doing with myself lately is like actually listening to the words that people are saying like actually reading the text as it's supposed to be written and like imagining things like actually using my brain to imagine the scenes and i thought i did it before but i did it and i'm like rereading this book so i'm like whoa there's like so much more detail this book is so amazing compared to how i read it before yeah yeah well um getting back to your uh your forester with like all the the pictures yeah. that you take of it, where are some of your favorite spots to go for photo shoots? Um, I mean, the easiest and closest for me is Hag Lake because it's literally like ten minutes from my house. Um, so Hag Lake is a man-made lake. It's in like right off the coast mountains. It's outside of Forest Grove and Gaston area, and uh, it's like fifteen miles around by road. So it's a pretty big lake and a lot of people come out from the Portland area to do their watercraft activities at the summer. Uh, it's very, very popular, but there are some pretty good photo shoot spots in it too. So if I ever just like want to go take pictures real quick, even though I take pictures a thousand times of the being up there, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go to Hag Lake real quick because it's so close and I know all the good picture spots. So I just go do that. Yeah. You've um, got some nice pictures too. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I really try to find good pictures uh some places are really hard and i'd love to go find more places to take pictures i mean that's probably the best part about it for me too uh yeah yeah i i'm i've got to find some new spots around here because i'm running out of spots and it's just like there was a while where i just i i was like i don't even want to post anything because you know and then i kind of got into that like okay, well, it's Wheel Wednesday, so I have to post something because it's Wheel Wednesday. It's like, well, you don't have to post anything. You don't have to do anything, mm -hmm. you know, until you want to. So I haven't been posting as consistently as I had when I first started. Um, mm -hmm. 
And it's just because I kind of got, in a way, I kind of got burned out, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but it was just like, there weren't any good spots. And so if you don't have a good spot to go take a picture, or if you can't really like, if you're kind of in a rut of like, just getting like in a creative rut, then you Mm -hmm. just, you don't get excited about it. And so I was kind of like that way for a while, but kind of getting a little more excited about it again. So hopefully I can maybe find some spots and, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm also like, I don't, I use my phone to take pictures. So I'm not like doing yeah. anything super creative with mine. Although people have said, Oh, you've got some good photos. I'm like, well, thanks. Yeah, but do. I just, you know, compared to like, and I'm not trying to like do a good job. Like other people are, because I'm not really, it's not really my goal. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. I just, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I see some really good stuff out there and I'm like, yeah, my stuff looks okay. Why did it get 500 likes? You know? Yeah. But. Well, I, I think part of the reason is because you do the podcast too. So people, you know, associate you, right? But uh, I will say like ever since getting my camera, like even going to the same spots again that I took pictures with my phone, it's a completely new experience because you could get much better pictures, completely different angles that you never even thought of. Yeah. Like with that camera is in your hands, you're like, Oh, I could take pictures properly now. And yeah. you just feel like you could take it properly and professionally make them look good. So I've been out, like I took pictures with my phone at Hag Lake, and then I've been out with my camera at Hag Lake. And it's a completely different experience being with my phone versus my camera. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that's kind of difficult for me too is like I don't just have my car. I have my car mm-hmm. and the podcast and a full-time job mm-hmm. and my son with me. And so I yeah. just, I have so much going on that it's hard to, at times it's hard to juggle everything. I've been getting a little bit better about it lately of just trying to manage my time and trying to set aside and not like writing stuff down, but just like in my head, I'm like, okay, well today I can actually go do this, this and this, and I'll have time to do mm-hmm. all of it. And I'll be and, and you know, and things will be good. But yeah, so it's just it's kind of difficult at times juggling everything, but yeah, I make it I completely work. understand. Yeah, you do good. Thank you. I know. Yeah, I I know for me, like I don't post very often. In all honesty, like I post, I like to reserve posts for like kind of I guess more professional looking things. Like, oh, I did this trip with my car, or oh, I did this mod on my car, or like any other number of things that I did in my car, but like general stuff, like what I'm doing on my car, like photos, I tend to reserve that for stories. So I yeah. don't post a lot on my car account, honestly. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's really not any right or wrong way to do it. You know, I mean, if, if yeah. you're doing it to try to get, I guess, more followers and engage with more people, then you'd have to post more consistently but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of people that are doing it just because like, oh, I just want to get more followers, you know? I mean, you end up getting more followers because you're posting more content, but not like, I don't, it doesn't seem like that's like the goal that people are trying to do is like, oh, I just want to get mm-hmm. more followers. So I'm going to post a lot. I mean, most of the people, it really seems like they're posting often because they genuinely just really enjoy being out with their car and sharing it with the, with everybody. Yeah. I mean, 
even if you did post just to get followers, you're not going to get an engaging community, right? So yeah, it's it's really good to see that like even if they are posting a lot, they're posting just because they want to, not just because oh, I want to like mind the super community for followers or whatever they're doing it because they want to be a part of that community yeah yeah so how how would you say that your forester has changed your life um it brought me into cars like i never expected to be in cars ever it was never a part of my plan i planned on going to college and just being kind of a boring person in my opinion and just existing <laughs> Uh, and then I fell in love with cars and it's an entirely new community and way of life. It's my main friend group. Most of my uh, friends are car people now. And to be a part of that, to be a part of an actual community, because I never really had that before. Like I, yeah. was, I was part of like the orchestra at my school or different things like that, but I never felt as connected and like I never felt as accepted as I did and do when I'm in the car community. Yeah, I totally get so. that. Cause I mean, I was never in sports and I didn't do any like, you know, I, I wasn't in any kind of other extracurricular activity outside of school. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of the same way where I didn't really, I mean, I had friends, but I didn't really have like a community, you know, cause like if you're, if you play football in high school or something, you know, you've got the football community or if you do some other kind of sports, you have that community. Um, like my son is in band and so he has like a group of friends from band that he hangs out with and it's like really cool to see him having those friendships and everything and kind of seeing stuff that I didn't have because mm -hmm. like again I had friends but it wasn't like where it was like a, a group you know of certain people that all hung out um, mm -hmm. and then I mean I kind of got that when I was with jujitsu but I would, I didn't really hang out with people from class outside of class. I think it's right. because I was new and a lot of the people were younger than me. So they all kind of, and I think a lot of them were single too. And some of them were married and had kids, but they had all yeah. also been in class and training together for a really long time. So they all kind of hung out right. with each other. So I was kind of like just a newbie who didn't really know people. So I didn't really go out with them. And then I, I had found a Facebook like singles group where I wasn't really like trying to meet somebody, but just like mm -hmm. try to meet some friends to go hang out and do stuff. And that was, mm -hmm. that was okay, but it was kind of short lived and there was just like so much drama and stuff on Facebook. And I ended up mm -hmm. like deactivating my Facebook account for a while. And I'm like, I'm just done with this. It's so stupid. And then, mm -hmm. um, so I think a lot of people or most people know by now, but I'm vegan and that was oh, kind of like, yeah. So that was like where I found my first community was meeting a lot of different vegan people, going to vegan festivals, like meeting up with people at like vegan restaurants and stuff. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I've had that community um, since, cause it was 2018 is when I went vegan. So, you know, that's been really cool, but even that's not like the Subaru community, you know, it's just yeah. like, I've, I mean, I did immerse myself in that community for a while and I still have a lot of the same friends, but we don't really, I don't really communicate with them as much as I used to because I bought a Subaru and then mm -hmm. this just kind of took over my life in a way. Yeah. And then I started the podcast and so, but it's, uh, 
you know, I mean, it's been a lot of fun. So I totally get that whole feeling accepted part. And it's, and it's a genuine acceptance too. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, well, yeah, I guess you can come hang out with us. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, please come hang out with us, you know? And, and it's cool when you meet people and connect with people all over the country and then all over the world, because then, you know, it's like you said, you want to go out to Colorado. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're going to go out there and it's not going to be like, oh, hey, what's up? So be like, hey, what's up, man? Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I think for most people that are in this community and are experiencing that, you know, for a lot of people, I think it's the first time ever in their lives experiencing something where they really feel at home and they really feel like they belong and feel accepted. And it's just like, you can't, you know, you can't really put a price on that. And there's... There's really no way to explain it to somebody who's not also in the community. Without immersing them in the community themselves. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I It definitely is its own separate. Fa- it feels like a family. Like I remember when I took my uh, ex-girlfriend to uh, like my real first car beat, technically her first car beat too. And I went there and I was going up to people and talking to the cars. And like we were driving back and she's like, that is the most extroverted I've ever seen you <laughs> because I had never really been that way. I've always been, you know, kind of a shy person, but when I like with cars, like I will go up to people most of the time, Yeah, you know, not Travis Pastrana, but like people <laughs> I know or people I bet or people that I feel like are like kind of also have the same like taste in cars that I do or like, you know, stuff like that. So I'll go up to them and start talking about their, about their cars, start worrying about the mods they do. Especially if they have another Forester, I wonder what like maybe I could do in the future about my Forester. But even then, like just to be able to go up to people and be like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, uh, and just talk to them. I know there's there's this one guy that I keep seeing, and I don't know his Instagram, but I've seen like three times now. I parked next to him at Big Northwest. I met him at Ironman Four by Four back in April, and then I saw him again this weekend when I was at the Oregon Trail Rally. And I still don't know his name very well, but I keep meeting him and it's always cool to just be like, hey, what's up? And just like shake his hand and talk about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and I don't even really know his name, but it's just <laughs> part of being in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I went out to uh, San Diego to, um, for the Software Nation one year, I knew mm-hmm. Neil Skis, I knew Overlanding RT because that's John and Neil. And then I knew Yvette mm-hmm. who goes by Can- Kangri Trek. And then mm-hmm. I knew... Uh, I think a couple of other people. And so like, I knew them, I knew their faces, I knew them by their Instagram handle, but I also knew their names. But then there was like so many other people and I was having to ask Neil and John and, and um, Yvette, I was like, okay, I know that person's Instagram account. So where are they? And who is that person? You know, mm-hmm. because it was like, I wasn't, I didn't know their their names. And, uh, so it's just, and, and with connecting with so many people, it's hard to remember everybody's names. Like there's, oh yeah, there's people's names where I've been like chatting with them for a while and they don't, ha- they may not have their name on their Instagram account. And so it's like chatting, chatting, chatting. It's like, by the way, what's your name? <laughs> because, you know, mm-hmm. you don't see their name and it's like, oh, Hey, I'm so-and-so. And then like, they'll tell me and then like, 
a while will go by. Maybe we haven't chatted and I'm just like, oh crap, what was that person's name? I know they told me, yeah. but I don't remember. <laughs> so I try to, yeah, I try to avoid names in conversation because I'm like, I forgot your name. I'm going to like not say anything and hope you don't notice and it'll be okay. But there are definitely a lot of people in the community that it's just so many names to follow that you can't really follow it. Right. But you try your best to be the coolest people you can and talk to them. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's going to be like, dude, you forgot my name. Really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't heard anybody be like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I feel bad because I'm like, Oh, I don't remember what their name is, but so I just have to like, man, I'm so sorry, but I forgot what your name is. Yeah. So, and then sometimes like if they told me, I'm like, scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, that's their name. Okay, good. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, have you ever thought about where you would be or what you might be doing if you hadn't bought a Subaru? Because I mean, we've just been talking about how all the things that, like, all the great things that have come from our lives. And you, I mean, you said you thought you, oh, I would just go on about my life and go to college and have a regular car and be a boring person. I mean, have you ever, mm -hmm. but since owning your Forester now and being in the community, have you ever thought like back and been like, man, where would I be right now if I didn't have this car? I guess I haven't. I know for sure that like, honestly, one of the main reasons I dropped out of college was to work on my car. Yeah. And I mean, part of it was also like the money situation and I wasn't happy doing it. But part of me, there's a small part of me that was like, I really want to work on my car right now. I really want to like modify it and be actually kind of proud of it and have more than just a regular car. And I can't do that in college earning the income I can. It's just not going to work, right? Yeah. So I feel like if I hadn't gotten a super or just like if I hadn't gotten to cars, which I don't think. I think I would have gotten into cars at some point. Like, I just think that's an irreversible part of my life. Yeah. But if I had it for some reason that I probably would have just got to college and then gone that way, I probably would have been uh junior right now or about to be a junior and kept going through college, probably would have gotten into computer engineering and gone that route. And then just been a guy at a desk. So I probably not done much. Um, in all honesty, like I did, I was pretty depressed and pretty had a, I guess a bleak life before I really got into cars. Like, I, I guess in a way cars kind of saved me, which yeah. is very, very like melodramatic and like up in the air, but in a way they really did like make my life happy and, uh, give it something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, you're not the first person, you know really? I mean? Yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've had other people on that have, you know, said that it's, uh, you know, it's just, especially because, I mean, I've had some people on that have, like, said that they were introverted and, you know, really shy and didn't have a lot of friends and were kind of depressed and stuff. And then they bought a Subaru and found the community and started, you know, were shy at first and started getting out, but then realized that, like, people wanted to hang out with them and be around them and talk to them about Subarus. And now they're like, you know, I couldn't imagine my life any other way. Mm -hmm. It's definitely life changing for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine my life other ways, but 
I don't even know if I want to. Yeah, and the good thing is, is you don't have to. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here. yeah. I mean, you know, and I asked you before if you would always own a Subaru, and you talked about getting another car, and you know, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily. If you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to get rid of your Forester. I mean, I don't plan to. I think the only reason I'd ever get rid of it if I was like really wanted another car and could trade it at the same time and get the car I wanted. Yeah. Um, or like, because I think, I think I always want an off-road car. So if I could trade it for like, I guess like a forerunner or something, then I might do that. But I think besides that, I don't ever really want to get rid of him. Even if he like, he only wants miles. Cause he's my first car. He's very unique. Um, yeah. And he is, you know, I can still do a lot with them off-road. It's yeah. It's still very capable. And there's there's just something about the ability of being able to go off-road. And, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I pull up next to cars, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, and it might be like a Honda Civic Si or something, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a 370Z or something, and I'm just like, I'm like, man that's cool. You know, their car can go really fast, but then I'm just thinking, but my car can go so many more places than your car can go. And it's, it's slow and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, he's slow. Uh, I I completely agree. Right. I could go so many more places with my car, but I could go with a fast car and sure. I want a fast car at some point. Like I think, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. At some point I'd love to have a fast car and then my off-road car. Like that sounds absolutely perfect to me. But if I could just own two cars, just a, a street car for fun or even a track car and then an off-road car, that sounds pretty perfect to me if I could do that. Well, I didn't have any other questions. Did you have anything else you wanted to share before we finish this up? Um, I mean, the only thing I can remember is I think it's really unique that uh, your jujitsu gym was filled with uh, single young people. Yeah. Because a lot of the people at my gym are uh, like, they're all older than me. I'm like, I think there's only one guy that's younger than me. And he barely went there when I was going there. So I was the youngest person at my jujitsu gym. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, <laughs> I thought it was funny when you said that you were like one of the oldest people there. Yeah. I mean, there were some other guys that were my age because, I mean, it, it, we had a pretty big class. But it was, um, yeah, it was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was a good mix, but there were so there were quite a few younger people that were single. But yeah, makes sense then. Yep. So, right. well, yeah. Um, well, thanks for taking the time to do this. And uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I was glad glad we were able to make it happen. I know it's like takes a while to get to the people, but. Mm-hmm that's uh i'm thankful to have a list to have to go through yeah uh i really appreciate it i'm glad i put my name on that list and was able to come on and have a lovely conversation with you yeah me too thank you so much thank you all right well you have a good night and uh, we'll talk to you later sounds good talk to you later all right all right there we have it another episode episode 75 another great conversation thanks for taking the time 
Austin to record this episode. I know it was pretty long, but it was a really great conversation. So thanks again, and uh, hope everybody enjoyed it. If you're not already doing so, go give him a follow. It's Subi Ray Ray, and that's R-A-E-R-A-E. You can find him on Instagram. And go check out his photos. He's got some great photos, and check out that bumper. If you haven't seen that bumper, it's pretty impressive. It's cool that he designed it himself and uh, got some help putting it together and getting it on there, but he did a great job and looks great. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to another episode. We will see you on Wednesday for the Wednesday news segment. I'm actually thinking about maybe changing the name, not calling it a news segment, because I, I know sometimes people don't like to watch the news or listen to the news. So may find a different name for it. It'll be the same thing, just a different name. Make it sound a little more appealing, maybe. So trying to think of something clever to come up with. But for now, I guess everybody have a great week. And we will see you on Wednesday. And then we'll see you next Monday for another regular episode. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>